Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of maker moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind-the-scenes story of a new maker mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running FreemanFurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Maker Mom podcast. On today's episode, I am talking with Martina from Naughty by Nature. Such a fun interview. I definitely picked up some tips and tricks on turning my making into a business and I think uh, all of you will enjoy listening to those as well. Before I let you get into the episode, though, I want to welcome two new patrons to the Patreon page for Maker Mom Podcast, and that is Ellen with Little Bear Furniture and Kathy with One Girl and Her Tools. I appreciate both of you joining the community and looking forward to having both of you on the first ever Maker Mom Podcast online meetup coming up next week, Wednesday, February 6th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. And for those of you listening, if you would also like to be a part of that first ever online meetup for Maker Mom Podcast Tribe, you can head on over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Maker Mom Podcast and join the tribe and you will have access to that online meetup. If you want a direct link, you can also go to the Maker Mom podcast Instagram page and hit the link in the bio there and uh, just hit join the tribe and you are all set to go. All right, no further ado, I will let you get to listening to Martina from Naughty by Nature. Enjoy. So why don't we just get started a little bit? Can you give a brief introduction um, about yourself, things you like to make and about your kids and stuff? Okay, so I'm Martina. I'm with Naughty by Nature, going by KBN Designs now, technically. So with uh, KBN Designs, I've been building for six to seven years now, and we're kind of more on the rustic furniture side, but slowly branching out into more modern looks. My wife and I own the business together, and we have two kids. They're 17 and 19. And They have the ability to build, but they don't always want to spend the time building with us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, parents become kind of obsolete as kids get older, or at least that's my (laughs) understanding. (laughs) Say they run the IT department for the business, so. There you go, there you go. Actually, it's pretty handy having some teenagers around. (laughs) So I have to ask because um, I find your name or your Instagram handle anyways, intriguing. How did you come up with Naughty by Nature? Well, I decided on Naughty by Nature even before I really got okay at building furniture. I built a couple, like I got a Craig jig for my birthday years ago and then kind of got the the building bug and it's like, this is what I want to do. In the future, I just want to build things. I want it to be called Naughty by Nature. And then I, I feel like I kind of just built my life around that idea. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm going to ask you to step back a little bit and tell me a little bit about what was your childhood like? Um, was there any, anything part of your childhood that maybe helped shape you into wanting to be a maker? Uh, My dad was pretty handy, and so I would do projects with him. I don't know if it necessarily guided my path, but it helped me to learn to be able to do stuff around the house for myself and not have to hire out for it. Um, And it actually came in handy with my brother and my stepdad, who are not handy at all, so they've had to ask me for help. I feel like for the genetics of my mom's side of the fam- family, I got all the, the handy genes because I'll get calls from my aunt and like, 
hey, I got this thing. Can you come fix it for me? I'll be able to help you out. So um, just, I guess from day one, I when I was a little kid, I wanted a tool, this kid's toolbox, a toy version of it. And my dad got me a real one instead. So then it's like, well, I get to actually use it now because it has an actual hammer, not a toy hammer. So just find any little thing around the house that I can use it with. Cool. Uh, was there anything else like that you enjoyed doing creatively um, as a kid? Um, I played a lot of sports as a kid, um, but not really like artsy as a kid. I wasn't like a little crafter. I tried to learn how to crochet when I was younger, and I don't have the dexterity for that at all. But <laughs> I've been intrigued by it. Still try to pick it up as an adult. Still don't have the dexterity for it. Um, so. I think that kind of sports was just my creative outlet and being able to release some childlike energy. All right, cool. So is it then, so you have Naughty by Nature and then you said it was K and B? KBN, so just, uh, yeah, just breaking Naughty by Nature down to KBN designs. We just, um, we're learning that people only think we build furniture, which we're a little bit more than that. So we're trying to kind of modernize the name and include everything in it instead of having branches of what we do. Okay. And are you more uh, like custom design business then, or are you uh, also kind of trying to get your own aesthetic out there? Right now it's more, there's this picture on Pinterest. Can you make this? And I think that's where we all start out. I would love to start just designing my own pieces and selling them. And that's what I think I want to start doing on the side this year when we're not in in deep with orders, I should say. So um, I've seen your work and how you like these epoxy pieces and everything. And I'm very jealous of being able to have more creative freedom. Um, it's just, it's hard because these, these pictures, Pinterest pictures basically are the bread and butter of our business, and that's what everyone wants. They've had it saved to their their boards for years now, and they finally found someone that could make it. So it's a lot of the um, Anna White style rustic furniture and everything. And just it's hard. It's hard when it pays the bills, but one day I'll be able to. Well, you, you know what? You you may be a little bit jealous, but I'm jealous of you being able to pay the bills with your business. So, <laughs> well, my wife still works an eight to five too, so don't worry. It's not like yeah. I support the whole family off of it. Yeah, um, and yeah, my my wife still definitely works eight to five and doesn't. Um, she's not really involved in my business at all. But um, yeah, I do take creative freedom, but with that also takes a lot more risk. And a lot more um, time to build up that that business for sure. Um, right, like your oak piece. I'm definitely excited to see how it turns out with the, the stain going through the grain and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so how long ago did you get started with the with making? I've been making for about six or seven years now just doing furniture pieces for our house um and then during that time slowly friends would ask if i can make things and we've been officially a business for about 14 15 months now i was a full-time paramedic up until then and then i got hurt at home and was off work for about a year and then when i went back it, with my injury it was just too difficult so it was we got to jump all in into this furniture making and say a little prayer and hope it works out. Still praying, <laughs> still working for it. So it's just I, not being a paramedic anymore. I just have new stresses in my life. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a good friend who was a paramedic for a while and there's a lot of stresses you take home from that job is my understanding. You can kind of see the worst of, humanity through that job um which is not always fun so but now you just have different risks of like you know cutting an appendage off or something like that oh right i know how to <laughs> fix myself up so exactly happens, so. <laughs> it's all built in that's awesome yeah. <laughs> i would think i have a first aid kit readily available <laughs> because i know what could go wrong but i'm not that organized <laughs> um 
So when you got started, so I'm like, okay, you're building pieces for home. But like you said, in the beginning, you kind of started this dream, right? Of like naughty by nature, you wanted to have this business. So did you kind of drive things in that direction from the get-go of turning this into a business? No, and I wish I would have been more prepared, but I didn't think I was going to get hurt and have to do this. So obviously going into it full-time, I wish that we had better tools lined up and more tools lined up um, in order to jump all in. But I think because it was a sink or swim thing, it, the motivation is there because I have no, no backup now. I know a lot of people ask about going full-time and a lot of them are a lot more organized than I was able to be about it where they are able to save up for six months and get all the tools they want and everything the clientele that they want. But I think that because I don't have that option, it just makes me more motivated and gives me more drive to make this successful. So what would you say, I mean, do you, uh, can you kind of dive into that a little bit more? Like what were some of the biggest challenges when you um, kind of got hit with that? Okay, it's sink or swim. You know, this is what I'm going to go for because I kind of have to. What were some of the biggest or maybe like steepest learning curves you had with that decision? I, never, I didn't have the experience really of kind of branching myself out and gaining clientele because I was building for a lot of friends and I didn't know how to market myself or how to not get steamrolled by a client, which I know even after this much time, I still learning new techniques, how to make it better. And I know a lot of other people are going through it, but uh, definitely the first few months getting taken advantage of when someone tries to negotiate a price, you're just like, okay, I'll take that price because you need to make money. And now as I do it more consistently and my skills improve, I think like, no, I'm worth more than that. It's non-negotiable. This is what I'm charging you and I'm worth it. I think that's a big hurdle for um, a lot of makers. And I think in particular, uh, female makers struggle with that a little bit more. Um, how did you kind of gain confidence do you think to, to say that, to be able to say, nope, this is what I'm worth? I think I'm still trying to gain the confidence to do it, but just saying, unfortunately, for the price that you want, it's not profitable for me to make it, and I'll lose money doing it, and then kind of put it back into the client's um, hands and let them decide what they want to do. Because obviously they can go to Target or Home Goods and buy something that someone else is going to have. But if you tell them, this is custom, I'm making this for you, none of your friends are going to have it. Every piece is going to be different and just hope that that works. But, I, you know, we try and warranty all our work and we've had a lot of repeat customers already because we do warranty it. We, it is a custom piece. None of their friends have it. All their friends now want it. So it makes, it makes them want to come back and get more. And that way they can kind of brag, brag that this was made just for me. So that's, it's sometimes it doesn't work out and they still decide that they'll go to wherever, you know, Amazon or whatever, but sometimes it's beneficial and then we have a repeat customer. So you just got to take the chance, which is difficult. It is difficult. Um, so man, now I have all these questions in my head. So I'm trying to decide which way to go first, but I, I'm intrigued by the warranty. Um, just because personally I've been considering doing something very similar. Um, I don't have anything like in writing, but you know, there's been times where I've had people who have bought my stuff and then they'll contact me, you know, maybe it's a, just something simple like how do you clean this or maybe it's something like, Oh, you know, we moved it and we scratched it, you know, either how can we fix it or can't, you know, are you available to, to take a look at it and fix it? And usually um, I always try to be the one to fix something like that um, just because it's, to me, it's all about customer service, right? Like you said, you want that repeat customer um, coming back and telling their friends that you really took care of them. So what does your warranty, I guess, what does it look like? How do you guys structure that? When I do a lot of my pieces are, 
delivered. So when I deliver, I attach um, a handwritten thank you card in there. And then I've actually had little business cards printed up that have just basically it's a warranty card on it. It says, thank you for shopping with us. We want um, your experience to be amazing. If anything happens with your item, contact us and we'll either repair it or replace it if, it, if it's our fault. You know what I mean? Because I don't want their, them to just decide, oh, I'm going to stand up on this console table and, you know, hammer something in. I drop the hammer and it gouges it out. You know what I mean? I could still repair it, but I'm not, now it's at a fee. So them understanding that it has movement, sometimes it cracks, sometimes it drives, has issues, um, that I'll fix that. But, and so that's included in their price. But if they decide to go and destroy it, that they're going to have to pay for it. But it's just, um, I feel like with having it printed on a card, it kind of looks us more, makes us look more credible because they kind of have a little bit of documentation rather than just, oh yeah, if you have any issues, give me a call. So have you had anyone take you up on that warranty? I haven't, which I guess that means I'm doing something right. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, okay. Because I was going to ask you if you've had anyone try to, you know, say, oh, this, this was this way when we got the piece, but it was, like you said, somebody like gouging it with a hammer or something because they dropped it, you know, and yeah. wanting to have you guys pay to fix it or replace it. That's part of the reason I read. I prefer to do the deliveries of the furniture too. Granted, it's more work and it's heavy stuff. So <laughs> that's where the two teenagers come in handy mm -hmm. because they have to help. <laughs> um, but that way I know it's moved properly and that it's not going to get drugged across the floor or anything like that and have the legs scratched up or any of those situations. Um, and that way I could put it in there, make sure it fits the space and then have that another dialogue with them about, you know, this is how, how you set help, you care for it, how you clean it, this is how you maintain it. Just don't lose pledge. Um, yes, yes. And then call me if you have any issues, which that's, no one knows that, like that pledge is actually bad for custom furniture. So I know. like, oh, thank you for saying it. Yep, yep. All you need is a damp cloth to wipe it off. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. And then, so how did you go from like, how did you get that first client that wasn't friend or family? Um, it, it was a friend that threw me a huge bone. She is a manager of a real estate branch here in town. And she said, Hey, I saw that you started, like you're actually starting to build your brand why don't you come in and do a presentation for all of our realtors? Um, we like to give custom gifts when they close houses um, to their clients. So why don't you come and bring some samples in and talk to them about it? So that actually helped a ton because I did a couple meetings with that location and then a different branch. And then that word of mouth from all those realtors in there and then them using us to give custom gifts to their clients helped a ton. And then they're able to tell their clients that are buying the home, oh, we also know someone that builds custom furniture if you want the dining table to fit in this space. Because they were saying they had clients that were saying, oh, I don't want to buy this house because the dining table I have now won't fit in it. So obviously they don't want to hear that because they want to close this deal. So now that they're able to offer a solution to that, they, they can close on that house, they make money, I make money. Everyone's happy in that. <laughs> That's like a genius idea um, <laughs> about yeah. presenting to, to re, uh, realtors. Um, yeah, I've been trying to get in with some of our realtors here locally, but I've been more focused on the, the staging right. aspect. Um, but that is a really, really great idea. So out of curiosity, what were, what are some of the like, because I would assume it's smaller items that they're going to purchase right. for the gifts for their clients. So, um, they serve in trays, so they would either just have them um, just stained uh, serving trays. Some of them ordered customized ones with the family's last name and then like the date they closed for the house on it, just home sweet home signs. So that dollar amount for profit wasn't great, but then in the long run, it was more beneficial 
which I think everyone as a maker has to figure that out too, if it's worth it to take on those small jobs, seeing that there's going to be bigger benefits later on down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think a lot of big like entrepreneur type people like a Gary Vee or something would say, you know, right. sometimes you have to take a loss for a while in order for it to pay out in the end. Um, right. So absolutely. Um, all right. So let's talk shop a little bit. Um, what are some of your favorite tools to use? I have, well, I'm lucky because I have a CNC, I have Shaboko, so I don't know that that's exactly my favorite, but that's the one that I'm still mesmerized by a year later, so, <laughs> and then that one, I, watching other people use it, I think, man, I haven't even scratched the surface on the capabilities of this thing, so that one, I think, but not everyone is as lucky as I am to have something like that. Right. Yeah, I've been, I've been totally toying with, you know, um, I know I need to do something to kind of like up my game as far as production. Right. Um, and so I've been toying with the idea of the CNC, but I just listened to, um, I'm so far behind on the uh, Made for Profit podcast, but they had an episode where they talked about like tools like that, like the CNC tools. So they talked about, you know, the, like the Shapeoko is good, um, but if you really do intend to kind of get into high production to like basically bide your time or save your cash to get some of the higher end uh, wood CNCs. Um, so since you've had it for a year, what's your, I guess, what would be your take on that? Like, do you find it saves you time or um, is there a pretty steep learning curve with it? I had absolutely no CAD experience when I got it. Um, coming from the world of EMS and the ambulance, CAD for us stood for computer automated dispatch. So when I saw everyone saying, oh, I have CAD experience, I was like, why are there so many dispatchers at our makers? So, <laughs> um, so it's for me definitely a steep learning curve. I know a lot of other people um, have been able to jump in it and just bust out these crazy designs because that's their day job is CAD. Um, but the more, but I also have it on my laptop, the design software, so I could sit there in the evenings and toy with the program and kind of figure out new designs and then with YouTube watch videos on how to make different things. So it's, I think it's with any form of making though, there's going to be a learning curve. You're going to have to take time to learn your equipment and then to learn how to use it properly. But it comes in. A giant box you have to assemble the whole thing which I thought was a pain in the butt in the beginning but now I feel like if anything happens to my machine I know exactly what's wrong I could fix it so it was actually beneficial to take eight hours to put that thing together but I don't think that I'll ever get into some crazy production or production with the CNC batching out anything to where I need something bigger than what it is like Matt Plumley with Dotwood Workshop he uses his thing like crazy. I mean, he even has two CNCs and he's using them nonstop, but he also has the CAD background, so it's easier for him. And then he makes a bunch of smalls, and that's not really what I want to do with my brand, is batch out a bunch of small stuff. So I think the size machine that I have will still keep us going for years to come. So what is the main use that you utilize the Shapoko for? Engraving a lot of the times, like okay. we're doing now that we're starting to do like cutting boards, people want those engraved. You can do it for the juice grooves on it, um, and then just sign work. So we have the um, machine for vinyl now, but instead of because that was my wife's side, what she would do with the vinyl. Now I can just throw it on the CNC, and now I don't have to wait for her to come home from work, and I can knock it out. And this sounds right, but I also get to charge a little bit more, which is nice so, mm -hmm. because it takes time for the design and the application of everything. So it's a little bit more profitable for us in the long run to be able to use this CNC versus um, a vinyl machine. Mm -hmm. So is it beneficial then too for like those um, uh, things for the realtors when they're buying a gift for their clients? Is that something you would throw? 
Yeah, it's definitely. Awesome. I mean, I've had a, um, I've had that one. Um, it's really benefiting us for baby showers because friends are giving like um, engraved wooden um, signs with the baby's name on it as gifts. So first name, middle name, and then they could have it framed and colored to match the nursery. Mm-hmm. And so that one's been definitely beneficial for us. Okay. Do you have any uh, intent or desire to use it for uh, bigger projects for like furniture pieces? Would you be able to, you know, cut out pieces to assemble type thing? I've seen people do it and I'm sure it's possible, but I don't know that with my lack of computer knowledge, I could do it yet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Yeah. All right. Just interesting, maybe getting more of a newcomer to, to using that technology's opinion on it, um, on the use of it. Right. See, that's what I would like my kid to come help me with since we use CNC at school all day. (laughs) I know those pesky kids. Printers at school, so I'm like, oh, I could really use that if you want to design this thing for me. And she's like, oh, I need some dice for Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a benefit, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I've been interested in the the CNCs um, or 3D printing, possibly for making um, molds for doing things with resin. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by that idea. But then again, the being able to, I guess, on the business side right now, struggling with like, how do I lay that out into kind of a return on investment, right? So need to make this investment. Do I really think I'm going to get the return? You know, how many years and and that sort of thing. Well, Um, that and taking time out of making to learn how to do it. You have to account for that time too. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, I do have like a CAD background, so that part I'm not too concerned with. But to be honest, the idea of like setting up the machine has probably been like the biggest barrier for me to purchase it. Um, just because yeah, I just have no background in, in doing that. And I think, well, I'm a maker, so I should be able to like stumble my way through this. <laughs> um, but still, it's a little bit nerve-wracking, um, and I know, too, it takes time, especially with those types of CNCs where it's basically a router being put on there and understanding, like, the different types of bits and, and all of that that you need to purchase depending on what you want to do with it. So it's definitely a learning curve, I think, no matter how experienced you are or not with making. Well, that means it's a machine, too, so yeah. there's always room for error even though they're supposed to be perfect Mm -hmm. and you have to deal with when issues like that come up yeah yep exactly are there any tools i mean we spent a lot talking about the cnc but were there especially when you got started with the furniture was there any tools that you found intimidating at first to kind of take a crack at using tables so i was given a lot of my um, tools were given to me by my uncle. Um, so he had a rickety old craftsman that I think everyone has started out with that literally ended up catching fire at one point, And that's why I had to get rid of it. <laughs> so turning that thing on, I just like instills the fear in you from day one, but that um, that's been intimidating. And then I just have a smaller cobalt job site table saw. So the bed on it's really small, so it's still kind of intimidating, but I just finished my outfit table for it. So that's my goal for this year is to become better with it and be able to utilize it for a lot more because I watch some of these makers on Instagram use it. I'm like, you don't even use your miter saw. I don't understand how that's possible. You built that whole thing with just your table saw. I'm jealous of those skills. Yeah, I would say table saw is one of the number one things that I think people – are nervous of um though i don't know fun fact more people like injure themselves with a router than they ever do with the table saw oh, i've definitely been eaten by the table saw blade already <laughs> not a router bit, so. um, yeah 
Um, but yeah, I can understand it, especially things with like kickback and stuff that is all very real um, stuff that can happen. Yeah, mine was, mine was stupid. And I put, I tried to resaw something on there that shouldn't have been and learned my lesson and will never do it again. Hard so. <laughs> <laughs> lesson learned, painful yes. lesson learned. Yes. But. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, okay, so you've got two teenage boys, right? Um, so is the 19-year-old, like, on his way out of the house, or? Uh... <laughs> um, he's not on his way out of the house. He's in college now, and he actually wants to be, a, he's declared major as physics. So, super smart kid, but it's like he's too smart for his own good because <laughs> now he like knows that he doesn't need to do any of this stuff. And he's like, that's, that's working with your hands. That's a trade. I'm going to, I'm going to make enough money in the future to where I can hire someone to do that for me. <laughs> 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 and the younger one, because he does, um, there's a, he's in regular high school for the first half of the day and the back half of the day, he's at a trade school. So he's learning computer design. They have the pretty, printers they have cncs there um because he does it all day he doesn't want to help me with it but he wants to be an, an engineer when he grows up so i'm like oh that's perfect you can come help me but yeah. no, <laughs> no <yeah. laughs> they like mechanical things but they don't they want to understand how it works not to be not be the controller of making it work i gotcha i gotcha but you said you kind of got started five six years ago so they would have been uh, younger then younger, right? yeah they did um like a woodshop class and so they know the basics of tools and understand them and they've refinished some furniture with me but they don't have the bug as much as i do to want to build and craft and everything mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that's what happens when you want this future for your child that they want to just do the complete opposite of what you want. Because I tell my wife, like, we can build an empire. We'll start the brand now and then in like 10 years, take it over and we can retire and they'll be the ones building the furniture. And it's not happening. Like not that. happening. Yeah. I know. I kind of have grand dreams of that sometime too. Um, though I think there's a strong possibility that my two will be a brother and sister team of interior designers. So, <laughs> we wanted them to be like the Scott brothers and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I want so bad for them to just learn a trade. I want one of them to be an electrician and one to be a plumber, and there's and they don't want to do that. So <laughs> and they don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm like, you know how beneficial that would be for me if you did right. those things, but <laughs> but I think it's definitely cool because uh, having two moms and they're two two boys, two men essentially. Um, to see that women can do anything because mm-hmm. they see, they, I make them unload the lumber for me if they're home. And um, so they see when it comes from nothing. And then all of a sudden, a couple of days later, I'm like, I need you to help me load this in the truck. And they're like, how did this happen? Like two days ago, <laughs> it was just rough lumber. And now it's this, you know, console table. Right. So I think that's pretty cool to be able to show them that women can do it. And, we, you know, a woman doesn't need a man to be handy yeah um i think that is a unique benefit to male children growing up with uh two moms for sure we definitely say that they're going to make good husbands one day yeah (laughs) it's not only do i have two moms but my my mom lives here too so they have their grandma and two moms so they have no testosterone in the house at all And they have three strong women telling them what to do all the time. Yeah, uh, our poor son, I mean, so my my youngest is a girl, our daughter. And so, um, yeah, our our son will frequently point out that just him and the dog are the only ones with penises in the house. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we agree. Yep, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Um, They're like, you're unique. What can I say? Exactly. Unicorn of the house. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Well, do you think, though, maybe if they're not going to be handy, I feel like they've probably 
learned a bit just watching you and your wife like start this business right as like entrepreneurs and trying to get it up off the ground i think um my younger one especially is intrigued by that um and they understand how stressful it is that starting from nothing is very difficult so i think that's going to definitely give them a different perspective later on in life um seeing how businesses are run and what it takes to be profitable and then even what it's like to deal with um, difficult customer situations and how you have to handle stuff like that and the people skills that it takes to run a business. Do you think uh, like for yourself and your wife that it's more like it was probably a little bit more beneficial trying to start this business with your kids older versus when they were younger? Yes. um, It's actually, I feel like, now it's, I basically, you know, I work from home, obviously. I feel like, one, they now need me home more than they did when they were younger because the 17-year-old always forgets to set his lawn for school. So it's a good thing that I'm home so I can wake him up. But <laughs> um, the fact that they will drive, they can take themselves to the orthodontist. I don't have to take time off work to do that. And then I, I can really work from home and focus from, I try to work about you know eight to five and try and make it normal and that way I still have time to basically run the household before and after that um but I think because I don't have to make sure they're down for a nap or pick them up from school I can just definitely focus and grind it out with those eight hours a day yeah so I mean before that um in your previous career I mean were you kind of more uh, did you do a lot more of kind of wrangling the kids and getting them where they needed to go and um. yeah with the way my schedule worked out I would work either 12 hour shifts or 24 hour shifts and three to four days a week so it was easy for you know me to work weekends and my wife was off for work so that way on the weekdays I could either get them get them off to school pick them up from school I was able to attend all their sporting events their awards banquets everything like that and not have to take time off work. But then on the flip side, my wife missed all of that. So (laughs) I think we've definitely um, have been more involved in their lives at different points in their lives. So when I was in school to be a paramedic, I missed a a bunch because I was working working full-time and in school full-time. So it was 96 hours a week. I was never home. And then it was all of a sudden, two years later, and then I'm like, oh, these kids are like practically grown, you know, at 10, <laughs> yeah, yeah. whatever, um, eight and 10. But so she got the more hands on for that. And then after that, I was there for everything. So, and now, now they're pretty much independent and they don't need either one of us. So <laughs> they just like us to be around at their convenience, um, especially to make them dinner every night. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Especially two teenage males and each oh out of house and home. I was telling her this morning how expensive they are because they eat so much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so is it the hope then, your wife still works the eight to five, is it hope then that sh- that you two will be able to both just be in the business, um, your own business at some point in time? That's the, probably the five-year goal is that she'll be able to quit her day job and we'll be able to have Naughty full time. And we have a couple of different things we want to do with it. Like you said, the home staging would be definitely her passion that she wants to do with the business. And then I'll be able to build custom furniture and build it to what kind of what I want to make and sell those items versus taking on custom orders. But yeah, in five years, that's probably, that's where I see us, and I'm hoping that's where we end up, is we're both working full-time for this and making it profitable and making it grow and succeed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you say is your favorite part about being a maker? I think mean, just all of it. I like being my own boss. It's scary and it's fun. But seeing something come from nothing and then turning out to something, and I've actually had clients cry when I delivered custom furniture for them, like dining tables, because now they have this centerpiece of their house where their whole family is going to make memories by. I think it's amazing. So not to my own horn or anything like that, but it's just crazy that, you know, not everyone's 
able to do that. Not everyone's able to pursue, pursue their dream or do what they love. And I'm able to do that. And I was able to do that in life than I thought I'd be able to. Yeah, I think that that is definitely awesome being able to make something from your own two hands um, and also, you know, have somebody on the other end be ecstatic with, with what you made for them. Um, what is your favorite part about being a mom? I've seen these boys grow into men and it's unbelievable. It's, you, you want the best for them. You want them to be good humans. And now they're old enough to where you can see that they're, they're good guys. Like we went to Disneyland a couple weeks ago and seeing how kids interact with their parents and some of them are awful. And then there's my two guys that are over there holding the door open for other people. And then seeing them be able to hold up a conversation with other people and, you know, asking those questions. How was your day? Good. How was your day? And then being interactive, which this newer generation is not like that. So, <laughs> um, and then hearing their aspirations in life, like who, what 19 year old wants to major in physics? I think that's unbelievable. So it's just, it's insane that a couple years ago, they, they basically couldn't do anything for themselves. They're, they needed us. And now they don't really need us, but they want us to be around. It's, and they can do everything for themselves. It's amazing. That is amazing. Um, I'm still in the thick of it, so I can't wait to get to that point. <laughs> it's, it's definitely hard. I, yeah. you know, I miss them being younger. I, they, you know, when they looked up to you and they thought you were amazing and <laughs> wanted to follow you around, I miss that. But at the same time, like, I think they just look up to you in a different way now. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just mind-blowing. It is. Now, um, you can feel free to tell me you don't want to answer this question, but <laughs> coming from, uh, you know, one, two mom family to another two mom family. Uh, did you guys adopt or They're my wife's biologically? Okay. Okay. We, uh, I came into the picture and they were four and six when I first met them. Okay. So still really young though. Awesome. Um, I got to skip diapers though, so I definitely <laughs> left out. Yeah, that is, yeah. <laughs> diapers <laughs> can take over your life, uh, for sure. <laughs> um, okay, because I was just curious, you know, if there was, um, you still got to see from pretty young and then being able to watch that journey, like you said, from them being kind of like, you can't do any wrong kind of, I think is where they're at when they're really little. Right. Like your superhero type thing to um, you don't know anything to back to (laughs) back to uh, all right. You're pretty cool. You know, we still want you around type thing. Yeah. It's just secretly cool though. I think. Yeah. (laughs) For technology. So I'm definitely learning that aspect, but (laughs) That's okay. I know my, my son is starting to already, he's only five and a half and he's already becoming pretty close to more knowledge of technology than I have. And, uh, he actually just got accepted into like an Excel program in kindergarten to start learning beginner programming. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm not going to know like anything. He'll benefit you in the long run. Yeah. You'll be writing your 3D printer by the time. Yes, yes. That is a very valid point. I think I need to get them started young. <laughs> That's nuts that they even offer that. I know. It is nuts. That's it's actually going to be working for like the IRS and doing taxes by the time he's nine. <laughs> possibly. Possibly. Okay. So what, or have you had, I guess, any challenges that you feel that you've needed to overcome or face as a maker and entrepreneur in kind of a traditionally male dominated field? I think just 
automatically you're underestimated because you're a female. Whether you're a maker or not, you're going to be underestimated. Um, and I know a lot of other females have run into that, especially if they go to buy lumber and it's like, hey, little lady, do you need me to hold that for you? Like, um, so I think just having the confidence in yourself that you know what you're doing, you're capable, you don't need anybody else. I think that speaks volumes. And then it kind of, someone else will see that and not question what you're doing and not try to discourage you or discount what you're doing. Uh, yeah, and it sounds like, I mean, you had kind of, I guess, maybe more confidence going into it, I think, because you learned how to use some tools, you know, from your dad and, and whatnot, but <clears throat> has it been, have you found it maybe uh, beneficial or found some encouragement by seeing, or I feel like we've been seeing more women uh, woodworkers and makers through social media? I think it's awesome. I think it just shows that it's not a gender specific trade or craft or world really um, that everyone's created equal. It doesn't matter what gender you are. If you have the desire and the creativity, you can do it. But it's definitely nice to see some powerful women, I guess you would say, a following along on Instagram and everything. Are there any that you find really inspiring? Uh, I, there's several. I think the creativity that other makers have, it's, it's crazy. I think just the way other people's minds work and the, the creativity, the ability, the Word, but just their determination and then finding out like their their path why they got there how they got there it's just a lot of it's really similar to your own and I think that's more encouraging too that you have someone that you can reach out to because they know what you're going through they have the similar mindset but they're also creatively different so they can be inspiring they can teach you new things you can learn new things and then it ends up being like imitation size form of flattery because you see that what they're doing and it's like, Hey, how'd you do that? Because now I want to do that for myself. Yeah, I definitely think that's really awesome within the maker community. Most people are really willing to share like a technique specifically right. of how they're doing something. Um, because to some degree, I don't think, there's much left out there that hasn't been thought of already. Um, and I think, like you said, kind of imitation, you know, the biggest form of flattery, but everybody ends up putting their own spin on it. Like right. they may, they may use the exact same te technique, but they'll probably do something different with it uh, for the end result. Um, <clears throat> so what kind of advice would you give, um, to another woman, another mom who, you know, wants to get into being a maker? I think just to not be afraid. Don't be scared. You're going to make mistakes. You're learning. Everyone's still constantly learning and everyone has to start somewhere. Also, don't be afraid to reach out and ask someone else questions. The worst they're going to say is, no, I can't help you, but I... I haven't encountered that yet. Anytime I reach out to someone, they've been willing to help or point me in the right, right direction of someone that can help me. So, just, you know, go on Pinterest, find something that you want to make and do it. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to get hurt probably because <laughs> splinters are awful. So <laughs> you're going to, you know, accidentally like get the hit with the drill or something but it's, it's gonna be okay um you'll feel you'll learn and you're, you'll be better on your next project yeah I, I like that you point out you probably will get injured but you will be okay I mean, it's not gonna it's not gonna be a terrible injury no, but it's no. just gonna yeah. happen it's gonna happen yes <laughs> all right martina well how can people find out more about you like where can people go to find you 
Um, I'm active on Instagram mostly. So naughty by nature underscore designs. Message me and follow me. If you have any questions, I'll do my best to help you out. I'll either answer it. I'll find someone that knows how to do it. I'm definitely honest with whether or not I know, you know how to answer that question. Um, but I have not really active on Facebook, so you can find me. I'm not as responsive on theirs. Okay. Um, all right. And do you have, so do you have any big plans for 2019? What you're hoping to get into, like uh, maker-wise? I think for 2019, I think establishing our, I made a list for us as a business, and it's going to be establishing who we are, so how we changed it to KBN Designs, which is not even nature designs. Um, so rebranding ourselves so that way we can be in the market that we want to be into. We want to basically provide a mission statement to our clients of this is who we are, this is what we're about, and this is why you should go with us. And then, so build a better web presence. So a dedicated website that potentially has a blog and then even branching out into YouTube and just doing the tutorials of this is how you make your house pretty. Because, <laughs> um, so a lot of brand development not, and then with learning new techniques, like I told you, the table saw, learning how to incorporate that into our build in order to be a more diverse furniture maker versus, hey, this is what I, this is the picture that I found, can you make this exact thing? So being able to design and change their mind and give them a truly custom piece. Sounds uh, exciting and sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> And sounds very similar to my yeah. list before in 2019. Um, <laughs> so awesome. Well, again, thank you uh, for taking the time to uh, talk with me today. I'm excited for everyone else to get to hear your journey. Thank you for having me. I hope that I was able to provide a little perspective for other female makers and female makers that are wanting to females that are wanting to become makers. I definitely think you did for sure. Excellent. <laughs> I had such a fun time talking with Martina. Um, and I'm sure you guys all had a great time listening to this episode. I especially enjoyed that tip about uh, pitching to realtors on custom made gifts for their clients. I think that's an excellent idea. I know I'm probably going to take that one and run with it myself. All right. Now, before next week, don't forget uh, to go over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Maker Mom podcast. Join the tribe. Get on Wednesday, February 6th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Join that first ever online Maker Mom podcast tribe meetup. Join in with uh, Ellen and Kathy and others who are part of the tribe. And I can't wait to talk to you all next week. Until then, have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community in the Facebook group page, Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, leave an awesome review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know.